0: Good ideas are like red wine. They need time in the cellar for refinement. Here's where I keep mine. Welcome to 55 Degrees. Today's episode, I want to explore an odd topic that has been a part of my story most of my life. It's the category of dreams and visions. And there isn't a lot of information out there that I trust or feel comfortable with on this subject. So I've been left to dwell on this privately. But I want to share some of my insight here today and trust that you will do with it as you will. If your spirit bears witness with it, so be it. And if you think I'm off base, then that's your prerogative as well. I'm telling my story as I have experienced dreams, and visions over the years. Let me start by defining the terms. To me, a dream is a mental picture of a story as a scene or setting that is played out in my subconscious mind during sleep. Dreams can be wildly vivid, strangely confusing, and full of disjointed characters that don't seem to have anything to do with each other. Like being caught in a hurricane on the coast of Louisiana while stuck on the side of the road in a VW bug with Jerry Springer and your mom. You may wonder, what does all this mean? As I've had strange dreams like these, I've learned to pay attention to a few important things in the dream. One, don't get caught up in the details. Like, What does the coast of Louisiana have to do with anything? You've never lived there. You've never visited there. That's most likely irrelevant. The mind does weird things in sleep dreams. It's one way the body has to process information that the conscious mind is completely unaware of. Maybe you've seen a bit on the Weather Channel years ago about a couple that got swept away in their car during Hurricane Katrina. And your brain stored that information away because there was something about it that made you fearful. And the body does not discard information like that. As I'm learning from the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, any trauma is stored up inside the body and will stay there until it is properly released. I believe that dreams are a way to recall certain traumas and stressful situations in order to listen and pay attention to what they are saying. The body wants, to, wants release from it, but it needs the heart to cooperate in the process. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says that the dream comes through much effort, meaning whatever the mind is occupied with, dreams will come up from that effort. I remember the season of looking for our first house in 1992, and I dreamed about houses every night. One particular house we toured, the realtor told us there was a suicide in the attic and that she was required to tell us that information. That night, I had a dream that we bought the house and later found out it was haunted by the ghost of the man who died there. I know, weird, right? So what did that mean? Was the house haunted and then was that a sign for us to not buy the house? I don't think so. I just think the process of buying a house is such a big, big ordeal, especially a first home. It's a big decision and a big commitment, and I think we had watched the money pit recently. So there was that fear that we would move into a place and find out that it had a number of costly repairs that needed to be made. All that weight doesn't go away at bedtime, at least in my mind. Thus the dream came out. What makes more sense to me is knowing how fear plays a role in my life. I was a very fearful boy growing up. The nighttime was very terrifying for me for many years. I can't remember how old I was, but one night during an Oklahoma tornado, the wind blew over a very large hackberry tree that landed a few, free, few feet from my bedroom window. I remember the next morning looking at the fallen tree and imagining that massive thing landing on me and killing me in bed. So I carried that fear of storms with me. When I was seven, my grandmother was in the hospital of dying of cancer And my parents would take me with them to go visit her. And I recall one night hearing a child screaming down the hallway, and I asked, what was that? And my mom said a little boy was burned in a house fire, and he was in the burn unit. That traumatic experience translated into the fear of someone burning down my house in the middle of the night, and I would be trapped inside and become burned like that little boy. So fear was the most recognizable element of my early dreams as a young boy. Fear was the effort that Solomon was speaking of. The dream came through the effort of wrestling with fear, but a small child doesn't come equipped to deal with that kind of emotion. And my parents did not attune to that need. It wasn't until a married, I was a married man that I knew what to do with these fearful dreams. Fast forward from my childhood to adulthood, I continued to have fear-based dreams all in between. They took different shapes in the form of the story that was played out in the dreams. I had dreams of being chased, being hunted down like an animal. I had images of demonic beasts putting curses and death threats on my life. The characters, the settings changed, but the resultant effect was the same I woke up scared and for my newlywed wife, this was very disturbing to her because I would often awaken screaming in terror. And I felt bad because I was disrupting her sleep, but I didn't know what to do about it. So one night I remembered something a person said about fear that fears only power is what I give it and allow it to have. I went to bed thinking about that and drifted off to sleep. And sure enough, I had a fearful dream that night that someone was in my house. So I got up out of bed, walked through every room in the house in the dark, no lights on, upstairs, downstairs, proving to myself that there was nothing here, nothing to be afraid of. The fear was in my mind and those dreams quickly diminished. So for me, this is one role that dreams can play. It's a chance to listen to what story the body is producing and cooperate with it so I can help my body rest and be at peace. My adulthood fear was just childhood fear that grew up. It gave me a chance to go back and tell the little boy that everything is going to be okay. So if you are having dreams, I would first ask you what emotion was represented in the dream. Were you fearful, happy, jealous, anxious, powerful? This is a good place to start. The dream is simpler to understand than you realize. Pay attention to the emotion. Don't try to piece together why there was a purple giraffe in your garage. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're late for work or you're taking a test that you didn't study for or you're out in public in your underwear? And these are common emotional images played out in dreams and they are connected to the emotion of the dreamer. Being late might be the fear of letting others down. Taking the test might indicate a feeling of unpreparedness or inadequacy. Being out in your underwear might reveal a fear of exposure, of being found out. So don't follow the details first. Follow the emotion. A second thing to watch for in a sleep dream are recognizable and familiar characters. Like the dream I mentioned earlier about being stuck in the VW Bug with Jerry Springer and your mom. Ignore Jerry Springer for the moment and focus on your mom. She's the recognizable character. Explore that element. Are you and your mom on good terms? Do you feel trapped under your mom's control? Do you feel you have to always take care of your mom? This may not be the right direction, but it's an important thing to inquire about. And this ties into the first point, the emotion. You're more likely to have something emotional to say about your mom Than Jerry Springer. I was in Ireland this past March and I was on a trip to the country by myself. In 2009, I took my whole family to Ireland for 10 days and my father in law passed away right in the middle of that trip and we had to turn around and come home. So I vowed one day to return and I did. It was wonderful. And on the night I was staying overnight in Waterford. I had a dream that I could fly, literally fly. I was walking on the sidewalk near the crystal factory, and all of a sudden, I had the thought, you know, I think I can fly. I looked up into the sky, spread my arms, and lifted off the ground. I elevated high above the buildings and began exploring this newfound skill. I flew down to street level and then back up again over treetops and the hill nearby, and there are more details that I will describe later, but let me break this down here. The predominant m- emotion of that dream was happy. I felt powerful, and the ability to fly represented the impossible to me. It was also connected to the strong choice I made to finish that trip 11 years ago that got rudely interrupted by my father-in-law's death. I remember waking up extremely happy, almost giddy, wondering if it was true or not. And this is the great thing about dreams. They feel real. The fear feels real, but also the joy feels real. It's not just negative. The emotion is real in my experience. So dreams, the images that play out in the mind during sleep, can reveal unresolved and or unexpressed emotion they can connect us to key people that have wounded us or played a significant role in our lives that's what a dream is and does to me the next thing i want to describe is a vision you know in my understanding a vision is a mental picture much like a sleep dream but is it is played out in the mind when i am awake visions are usually more clear in the details but visions can also be harder to make sense of without some additional counsel. This was very evident in the recent presidential election when a number of church types began to prophesy about a vision they had saying that God told them Donald Trump was going to be president again, followed by a number of other predictions that God revealed. A lot of people just got proven wrong And this is my point about dreams and visions that I opened with. I don't have many examples to look to that I can trust in helping me make sense of those dreams and visions. But neither do I want to take these bad examples of visions and dismiss them as being from the devil. I'm not sure what all is going on with these people. And my point is not to bash their faith and identify how misguided they are. There are plenty of people on YouTube doing that. And I'll leave them with that. But regardless of their example, I'm not ready to throw out my dreams and visions because of a few bad apples. This practice of dismissal is actually easier to manage than trying to wade into the water and understand the mysterious. Again, test the spirit, come to a conclusion. I've done that, and here's what I'm concluding. The first thing I would say about a vision is to be attentive It's the same as a dream. Be mindful of what's going on in it. I believe a vision has a broader purpose and is easier to misread because of what our mind wants to talk ourselves into. I believe many who prophesied a Trump victory because of a vision may have had a very clear, believable vision. But was that because it's what they wanted to see? We all tend to do this. We see the part of the story we want to see. I call it selective outrage. We get mad at the things that spark our attention and ignore the things that reveal a double standard. I've had some very clear, detailed visions that I've held close for several years, and I'm taking a risk to share them out in the open for the first time. But I've tested them and feel confident to speak of them now. That's the other word of caution about a vision. When seeing and receiving a vision, the word is usually for me first. It's a message for my heart that I need to take in and listen to long before it's time to share it with someone else. Take the visions about Trump. Say a person gets a vision about a Trump victory. What is the purpose of speaking it out loud? What is its use? Who does that help and how? What good does predicting the future do for anyone, especially now that so many got it wrong? You just end up with egg on your face. I believe visions are first for the visionary, the one who sees it. It's first meant to shape the visionary by giving a picture on which to understand things that have happened or are going to happen as a means of encouragement. But a vision is not a foretelling so you can know who will win the Kentucky Derby and thereby betting the farm on a sure thing. A vision can show up in order to affirm something that you don't see yet. But since is true, let me give a personal example. In 2016, I was in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of my life. My businesses were failing. My marriage was at the breaking point. My health was failing. Anxiety was at an all-time high. I could not see past the pain. And thankfully, I had a few men around me that I trusted who could speak truthfully in hope that I would indeed get through this. During that time, I received a vision that served as a hopeful reminder of how things would get better. In the vision... I had met Jesus outside the gates of the ancient city where I was a resident. He asked me to go for a walk with him. On this walk, we talked about my circumstances, and he asked me how I was doing, and I told him, not very good. I asked him where we were going, and he said, I want to take you to the high city, where everything is clearer there, and you can see things differently. We continued on the winding road toward a clearing, and There I could see the city of which he spoke. It was beautiful and majestic, situated halfway up a mountainside. As we got closer, I could see its fortified walls and massive front gate. And this gate automatically opened as we arrived. And we entered, and he led me down a long hallway to a hearth room. In front of the fireplace were two chairs facing each other and a bottle of wine with two glasses on a small table in between. He asked me to sit. We both sat and he opened the bottle of wine and said, "Let me tell you why you're here." He said, "I have a new assignment for you and I want wanted to bring you here so you could see it better because you will need it to get you through this hard and trying season." He continued, You are entering a battlefield of extreme loss and hardship. It will be the most difficult season you've ever experienced. And you will be injured there, but you will not die there. You will not die on that battlefield. In fact, you will make your way out to safety with new strength and understanding. You will re-enter that battlefield many more times over the course of the rest of your life and you will bring others out to safety with you. You will do this so often that there will be a well-worn path that others can follow your footsteps. I did not know what to say, and Jesus could tell that. I didn't know how to respond, and then a voice spoke out of nowhere. And I will be with you every step of the way. And I asked where that came from and he said, oh, that's the voice of the spirit. You will hear it and recognize it easily from now on. The conversation wound down and Jesus said it was time to send me back home. He could tell I was scared and said, don't worry. It is as I have said. So what do I do when I receive something like this? Well, the first thing I do when these come is I move quickly to write them down. I have written further detail than what I've described here, but these are just the highlights. And as I said, my visions are different from dreams, but they have similarities also. The difference is the vivid detail that I can recall. In a sleep dream, I can feel the details slipping quickly after waking. So I run quickly to write them down as soon as possible and as much as possible and as as much detail as I can. Second, I sit with it for a while. I ponder its possible meaning. Can I envision this being true or played out? Usually, I can, and I can sense an inner affirmation fairly quickly. But the most important thing is to be patient with it. Third, I share it with a few trusted friends. These are people who have a category for what I'm saying. They may not experience dreams and visions firsthand, but they are attuned enough to recognize their significance and value. I let these friends give me their interpretation and see if it lines up with what I am concluding, and 99% of the time it does. As 2017 unfolded and things continued to get worse, I had this vision to hold on to. Even one day in bankruptcy court, I kept remembering the words, you will not die on this battlefield, even though it felt like the exact opposite. Slowly, over the following months of that year, as the dust began to settle, I started gaining a little clarity, but the worst wasn't over. December 2017, we closed the doors of our original business that operated for 10 years, In 2018, my wife was diagnosed with a third occurrence of ovarian ovarian cancer and that would take her life exactly one year later. One constant through it all was the vision. It was always serving to remind me that I would not die on this battlefield and the presence of God would be right with me. This was a vision for me. And as I utilized it for my own restoration and recovery, I know I can now turn outward and begin to tell this story to others who I encounter on the same battlefield of loss and hardship. In the next episode, I will talk some uh, about my favorite references to dreams and visions in the scripture and what we can learn from them. I will describe how, They are an additional guide to help me build a better future for myself and others. I hope this helps frame this mysterious topic and affirm something in your own story. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.